You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, making money fun and relevant with Hey Berna. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. Well, this is another episode if you normally listen to the podcast. If you don't, buckle up. You're in for a treat, hopefully. I think so, because I have on someone who I love watching and following. She brings such an energy to money and finances and the way she tells the story, her story. I just love her content. Her name is Hey Berna. Let me just tell you a little bit more about Hey Berna. Hey Berna is your financial hype woman. She is the creator of a financial literacy media series for young people. And she is all over the interwebs, as she would say. She has slayed $50,000 worth of debt. She has saved up to quit life and has started traveling around the world, now is a full-time entrepreneur. And so I love talking to her about her approach to money, how she makes it so relevant, and what we can learn from that. If you want any of the episode show notes, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 108 to get any of the notes or things that Berna and I talk about. Also, I am holding a free class pretty soon, next month. If you want to be the first to know about it, sign up to my wait list for the launch club and also sign up to my newsletter. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash join just to get on the weekly newsletter list. Or if you already know that you have been on the sidelines waiting for the launch club to be open again, go to journeytolaunch.com slash launch club. And there you will get the information to be on the wait list. Either way, if you're on either one of those lists, you'll be the first one to be able to register for this free class I'm giving in August. Okay, now without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Berna. Hey, 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 journeyers. Okay, so I have the legend, the, (laughs) I call her a legend. I'm just, you know, I'm joking, but I mean, I think, hey, Berna. I think what you're doing in the personal finance space is like just really like amazing. I don't really feel like there are many content creators like creating information about personal finance the way you are and making it so engaging. And so I just see big things for you. So I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about just your journey with personal finance and to teach us some things. So welcome to the show, Berna. Thank you so much, Jamila. I am hyped to be on Journey to Launch. Finally, I was saying before we recorded like, you asked me to come on and I was like, oh my God, I've made it. I'm here. I've arrived for personal finance. <laughs> like I said before, like I think, you know, personal finance and just finance in general can have a tendency to be boring. We all want the benefit and the byproduct of all the things we need to do to like reach our goals. You know, we want the actual goals, but the things to get there sometimes are not as fun or they're not presented in a way that's appealing. And I feel like with your brand and just what you do, like you make it appealing. So We can talk a little bit more about that and like how you came to be in the personal finance space. But in general, you also accomplished just personally some great things with your money. You paid off $50,000 worth of debt. You quit your job to basically take on full-time entrepreneurship. So I want to get into all the things. But first, can you just give us just like a little background of 
what got you into personal finance and why you're so interested in creating content in this space? Sure. So full intro. My name is Berna. I am a Filipino American from the San Francisco Bay Area and, you know, first gen child of an immigrant. Got to shout them out. Let's go parents. Happy Father's Day. And I am my sort of annoying tagline is that I'm like a financial hype woman. And it's a little bit of what we talked about that the personal finance world tends to be a little dry, a little, especially the way it was before I feel like all these amazing creators kind of moved in in the space in the last like 10 years or so. Pretty dry, pretty kind of sterile. And so being a hype woman, it, this is me trying to be like that annoying, like fuzzy head mascot inside of the personal finance world, trying to like hype people get excited about things because there's a lot to get excited about, but there's not a lot of practice of like celebration and like, yay, this is fun. This can be relevant and humorous, I swear. So I was born and raised in the Bay Area and um, I moved to New York and my background, no finance at all. I mean, I was always that kid who was like, gross, math, science, gross, numbers, gross. I really wanted to be the editor of a teen magazine when I was growing up. So that's like where my brain was always at, words. And it's partially, I think, why I grew up bad with money. And of course, I'm sure this is something that you talk about a lot as well, Jamila, but it also has to do with um, my family's financial background. You know, we are a family of immigrants. And I think this is reflected in a lot of the stories of families of immigrants. But there is a lot to take care of with your family and trying to keep food on the table and trying to assimilate, especially when you're coming from a non-English speaking country. There's just not time or resources to be teaching your kids how to budget, to be teaching your kids how to save, to be teaching your kids how to invest. Like what a foreign word that was for me and for my friends and my family. So I sort of grew up pretty financially illiterate. Really, all I understood was like money is spent and what is a savings? I don't need to do that going through those cycles of watching my parents spend, but also not save uh, my family. We basically had to file bankruptcy in 2008 because our family was a part of that whole, like everyone was buying into terrible, terrible housing loans. Suddenly we owned this all this property. Suddenly we had to default, couldn't pay it back, had to file bankruptcy. And hundreds of thousands of families went through that. So I saw this very intense sort of wave of like, Terrible things are happening with money, but we're still not talking about it. it. Happened with my family. And so a lot of that sort of informed where I found myself in around my mid-20s, where I'm in New York and I'm broke as heck. And I'm in $38,000 of student loan debt. And because I have terrible money habits, I was in around $12,000 of credit card debt. And I had found with my peers that, and like I, what I call it is sort of like the hot mess Olympics. So when you talk about how broke you are or you're talking about how much you're struggling, the conversation is mostly around like, I'm a hot mess. No, I'm a hot mess. Here's how much I'm a hot mess I am. Okay, let's all like transfer $14 from our savings to buy this next round of margaritas. Woo! And <laughs> the conversation is around the mess, but not so much around trying to fix it because there's so, so much shame and everything around that. And the sort of impetus for getting myself onto the personal finance track was... I was freelance for a long time, writing and creating videos. And then I was offered uh, a full-time job in the tech space in San Francisco. And I was like, oh man, okay. This was sort of like this like, oh, come to Jesus moment where I was like, Perna, you're going to be getting a paycheck every other Friday, almost for no reason. Not for no reason, but you know what I mean? It was like, I call it, it was like an IV drip of money. As long as you don't burn the building down, regular money is going to be coming to you. This is a big adult moment. And I just like this voice came in my head that was like, if you can't get your financial ish together now, then God help you. So I was like, all right, 
this is a moment where if I'm getting a regular amount of money, maybe, just maybe, it's time to pay attention to my debt. It's time to pay attention to the fact that I don't have an emergency savings and I've been lucky as all heck that nothing crazy has happened. I didn't need to like sell a kidney. And so I was like, let me let me just see what this personal finance thing is about. I started to Google. I started to kind of you know, literally how to budget dick, 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 and found that a lot of personal finance advice out there is like we just said dry and so inaccessible and the language makes no sense. And like as a millennial who grew up on like super pop culture, I'm like, I don't speak any of this. So I started to teach myself these things and talk about it online. And I saw that conversations were happening with people that I didn't expect, especially women, especially women of color. And uh, I basically just documented the ways I was paying off debt online. And then I'll like minimize this part of the story because I feel like I've been talking for a long time. My partner and I met my boyfriend uh, in 2016. And he and I were like, you and me, we're going to get our debt together because he had about $18,000 student loan debt. And we had that conversation real early. And we're like, we're going to get our ish together and we're going to make a repayment plan. And then the big dream here is to just like quit life and go traveling for a year. So super long story short, which I'll get into later, we paid off our debt at the end of 2017. We both quit our jobs, both quit our full-time jobs. And I was working at Instagram at the time. And then all of 2018, we backpacked through Asia from New Zealand, basically up into Japan uh, for about 11 months. And so now I'm here back in America mostly and trying to teach people what I was able to teach myself about money and about financial freedom. Wow. What a story. Yes. <laughs> and there's so many like just great points said when you were mentioning that it's like the hot mess Olympics with your friends. And that's why it's so important, like who you surround yourself with. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that you get rid of your friends just if they don't have their stuff together. But how sometimes you don't realize the that you basically rise to the level of the people you're around. And so if you're not around people who are talking about these things and about money and about just in general, just ambitious things, and you not to say your friends weren't, but <laughs> in general, right? It's just like you kind of get stuck in this kind of echo chamber of, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Why? And that's why it's like so important for businesses and accounts and now the accessibility of personal finance, like on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, where it's like, all right, maybe in real life, you don't have friends that you talk about this with, but you can find online friends and spaces in which that is a norm to talk about this. Yes, absolutely. One of the things that was mind blowing to me was I had to dig a little bit more. But once I started looking into personal finance, one of the first things I noticed is was like, okay, it's a lot of older white dudes. It's a lot of older white dudes, it's a lot of Warren Buffett, a lot of Tony Robbins, a lot of and not that they don't have amazing things to say. Dave Ramsey doesn't have amazing points. But I had to dig a little bit hard and I found, oh, my God, there's actually a lot of incredible women of color, people of color speaking about personal finance. And that really changed the mental game for me when I was like, and it's just it's as simple as that. It's like when I saw people that looked more like me talking about personal finance, then I was like, oh, I do belong in this world. I can do what they did. And you know, to your point, like, do you need to sort of surround yourself with the people at that mental level you want to be in and be able to physically see the people that have your skin color, that have your hair type, that talk like you, you know, they like speak in memes or they speak in millennial. That's super important, too. And that was such a game changer. I feel like I've, I've entered the game at a really opportune moment because I could look around and see women of color and I could see funny people and I can see video creators, whereas it's a lot tougher to find. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that I love about like when you go to your site and just what you feel like you're bringing to the personal finance game is representation, relevancy, and revolution. Yes. So, which is really, really needed. So I want to go to your debt payoff story. 
how did you make that switch? What were the actual changes that you made to be able to pay off $50,000 of debt? And then I'm, I'm assuming your boyfriend also paid off his debt. So what did you guys do? What did you do? What did you guys do together to make that happen? Yes. Yeah, so we knew that this was going to take a while. We didn't know what a while was going to be. So uh, the very first step was we were like, all right, I think the biggest thing is that we both have regular paychecks. We need to be putting more of our paychecks towards the debt. It's like really the biggest effect that we can make. First, we sat down and we were like, if we pay the minimum amount of our student loans, when is this going to end? And it was like 35 years from now. And we're like, I can't, I'm not going to wait that long. That's crazy. We're like, let's just dream cast, right? Let's just get crazy. What if we're putting like 60% of our paycheck, 70% of our paycheck towards the student loans and paying this every two with every paycheck, we're paying like 60 to 70% of our paycheck towards our student loans. Then how long would it take? And there are so many amazing debt calculators online that can help you calculate these things out. I think we found it after the fact, like we did the hardcore math ourselves and we're like, oh my God, the internet made this easy for us. We didn't have to do that. So if you're listening, you do not have to do the hardcore math. And we found if we put like anywhere between like 57 to 63% of our paycheck into our student loans nonstop for two straight years, then we could do this. And also if we kind of think ahead of like, okay, the bonuses that we get, Christmas presents, like any kind of large amounts of cash that we get from now until two years from now, that's all going to be dedicated to our debt. And we thought like, all right, this is going to be a rough two years, but the idea is like two years of sacrifice, lifetime of dopeness. So we're like, okay, if you and I can do this together, that's great. So that's another really important point to take away from this is that my partner was my sort of debt buddy, like my banking buddy and all of this. If I didn't have him to constantly like bounce off of, then it would be really difficult for me to self-motivate. The next thing that we also did was sort of set our like debt freedom date. We're like, okay, for me, it was, I think it was October 14th, 2017. And I was like, okay, this is, this date is going to be as important to me as people's graduation dates, their wedding dates, their other like life milestones. I was like, I'm going to treat this as preciously and like keep it in my head and like on a pedestal and like write it out on my planner and stuff and make it as important as every other life moment is. Um, and that really motivated me to see that there was a date, there's an end in sight, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then in terms of tactile sort of budget things, I was like, all right, we got to make big sort of fixed expense, fixed cost changes, meaning it's like finance speak for like big old, big, big, big changes, like reducing our rent, reducing our transportation and things like that. One thing is together we moved in with my family in the Bay Area in San Francisco, which we're both, I'm really lucky to have family to move in with the Bay Area. I'm from an Asian American family. So of course this whole time they're like, Brenna, what, why are you in an apartment in the city? You're being stubborn. They're like, come live at home. And I was like, nah, I'm being independent. So eventually I was like, fine, we will sacrifice this independence, but it's also a huge blessing at the same time. That cut our rent by like 75% because San Francisco is wild and ridiculous. Why does any, do any of us live here? It's for donk. So that cut a big thing. Uh, my job actually took care of one major fixed expense, which is transportation. So I was able to take transportation to work. Peter started taking public transportation everywhere. No car, no car expenses. That took a lot out of it as well. And then we just, it was just a sort of smaller sacrifices from there in saying, no to a lot of stuff. But it didn't feel so much like saying like, no, I'm sacrificing. I'm on like a financial diet. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's a lot of like deprivation. It was more like the conversation would be like, okay, I'd love to go to Vegas with you. But actually, I'm trying to get debt free by 2017. So I can't. And it was a lot less about shame and more about I actually started the conversation with a lot of our friends and family. They're like, oh, 
you have a debt-free plan? That's crazy. And then they were like, maybe I shouldn't go to Vegas too. But that's sort of the way that we said no to the things coming up in life. No to Coachella, no to major Christmas presents. Like the the Christmases that we were paying off debt, we asked our families like, can we not do the crazy like $75 Christmas limit this year? Can we just like have a fatty potluck and get drunk? It kind of got our our families and our friends in on, on the conversation as well. So those are the few things that we did. Yeah, I mean, and those are all like amazing things. The ones that, I mean, they all are cool. But for me, I feel like I always challenge people to think what can they implement in their life? Because so many people are in the debt payoff stage. And it does take like short term sacrifice. But I think identifying a date so there was an end in sight mm-hmm. is helpful because it's not like you're saying, wow, I have to live this way or, you know, say no to these things forever. It was like, this is only two years worth of sacrifice. So I can have this long term glory. And then really like great that you can move back in with your family. And I know for a lot of people, Especially if you've been living on your own, like to go back may feel like, whoa, like, you know, like, but it's not a failure. I mean, again, if you have a plan, it's not like, okay, I'm moving back forever and I'm just going to chill. It's kind of like, here's my plan. If your family has space or if it's possible, that's a really good like thing to do. I mean, I always say I was able to live at home with my mom until I moved out um, after my, while my condo was being built. And then my husband and I, we moved into his parents' basement while we were like saving up to pay for our wedding and to buy our first uh, home. Yep. So super, super important. And then, of course, getting your friends and family on board, because if yes, it's you know how sometimes they say, oh, don't share like your goals with people. And I get that. Right. Sometimes you have to protect that because it depends on like, if you have a lot of haters or just someone people that don't get it, it mm-hmm. <laughs> might try to deter you. But it's also something to be said for like in the real world, if you can recruit people who at least respect like what you're trying to do and don't push you too much. So if you say, I can't do this, it's kind of, or like, let's do this instead. It's like, all right. And then you encourage them to like get on board. Exactly. I definitely became that friend that forced my friends to talk about and think about their finances. You know, if like we were going to dinner and everyone was like, let's just split the check. And I was like, need I remind you that I'm like the broke bee for the next two years that I'm like, I am on a debt repayment plan. Debt is now my annoying thing that I'm going to like hold over y'all's heads. So no, I cannot split the check. And then it always became like, oh, yeah, debt, hmm, money, personal finance, and would almost always open up this new conversation about money that I don't typically have with those people. It was two years of being like slightly annoying, maybe. But I was lucky that a lot of my friends and family were like, I understand it's for a good cause. And it it actually it got a lot of my friends and family thinking as well. Because again, this is a a topic that is hard to bring up with friends and family, especially if you're, you're so used to the financial shame and silence a lot of us have, the hot mess Olympics, like the sort of changes the conversation a bit. Right, right. So you are working at Instagram at that point while you're paying off debt, mm-hmm. but you have a plan in two years to pay it off. Now, did you decide like when you paid it off, you were going to quit your job or like when did that come into play that you were like, you know what, I want to quit my job and travel? That came in pretty early, actually. It was, we were both thinking like, all right, what's the big thing that we're going to do? What's the big thing that we're going to work towards besides debt freedom? We were both like, we both love to travel. And what we really wanted was a moment like in our youth to just be able to like F it, just to be able to be like really spontaneous and do one, like a crazy spontaneous thing. We both are really into the idea of buying a one-way ticket to somewhere international that we'd never been and then just figuring it out for as long as we can. Now that I'm no longer employed at Instagram or Facebook, I can say that it was like pretty early into like six or seven months into the job that I was like, I'm gonna be quitting eventually. Um, And an (laughs) incredible, incredible job. And a huge reason as to why I was able to pay off my debt in two years, which is really fast for in the sort of like 
the bigger picture because we love a tech salary. And I was like, all that is going towards my debt. So I had known in the back of my head, but it didn't become real until like the last four-ish months of my repayment. It was like that summer because my repayment, my like debt repayment was October 2017. That summer is when we both, Peter and I, my partner, looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, we're really going to have to put in our two weeks or two months or whatever. Like before it was always this fun thing that we would say privately to friends and family, like, yeah, we're paying off our debt. And, our, you know, at the end of this year, we're planning on quitting and it's going to be you know, so cool. Everyone's like, oh my God, you guys are so like dope, amazing, like millennial heroes. And we're like, totally, totally, totally. Then it got close to actually like, we paid off our debt in October and we're like, oh snap, really, we're going to have to follow through with this, aren't we? This is really terrifying. And then putting in, for me, I actually put in like a month and a half because I wanted to be like a goody two shoes and not burn any bridges. It was truly terrifying. By the end of it, we're like, oh, my God, well, we can't go back now. We've been telling our friends and family this for literally two years. Like, we've been irritating them for two years with this plan. And now we have to do it. But, yeah, took that leap. Yeah, and I'm curious because, you know, it's that moment of choice where it's like, well, I could quit now and, you know, YOLO and, like, live my best life. Or what if we stay working? And so, like, now that we don't have any debt, what if we kept working for longer, you know, a couple more years to save up even more? Did you come to that fork in the road? Because I would assume like that was also like, hmm, maybe I should keep working and save some money and then maybe quit a couple years later. Yes, that definitely came up probably a couple of months before our actual like debt repayment moment, because we're like, oh, we've gotten so good at this point for two years of stacking, of saving up. And we've adjusted our life to live off of that like 30, 40 percent of our paycheck that we can just keep doing this. Like, there's no problem to keep doing this. The issue with that was I was maybe, what, 27 or 28 at the time. And uh, my partner's about a year younger than me. And we're both like, okay, even if I like look at my Instagram feed one more time, I might just get pregnant from looking at all the babies. And I am like losing money from all the weddings that I'm going to. Like this adulthood is coming at us fast. And I felt an urgency, like if I don't break away from this very comfortable, very perks filled life and perks filled job, I might stay here forever and like never do anything spontaneous. You know, like basically if I talk myself out of this one spontaneous thing, I might just get too comfortable and stay. And so we're like, we need to pull the plug now, mostly because of our own mental desire to do something spontaneous. And it, um, we got a lot of blowback from friends and family though, because they were like, who leaves a job at Facebook? Who leaves a job at Instagram? Why would you do that? You're paid well you are given all these perks and benefits. But I also saw, like looked ahead into my colleagues who are a few years older than me. And what I thought would happen to me is happening to them. You know, it's they call it the golden handcuffs in tech, where it's a difficult job, it's a competitive job, but it's so good and you get so spoiled and then you can never leave. And I had a lot of colleagues who were like, I mean, I'm here for like the maternity paternity leave benefits and I'm here for like the real adult stuff. And I was like, I am getting sucked into that black hole so quickly I need to pull back and do this crazy thing. And the idea was that when I came back after traveling for a year, I could reopen that bridge with Facebook and Instagram and work full time again and be like, okay, dope, I'm ready. Let's like plug me into that domestic life, like put the golden handcuffs on me. I'm ready. There was definitely a mental change when I got home where I was like, but maybe I can do this full time freelance thing. Like maybe I can hold off on reentering the full time life for a while. So that's where I am now. Yeah. And, you know, it's such a it's a great place to be in when you can make that choice and you were able to make that choice by first becoming debt free. Right. So you lifted that burden off of you. And I always say this is like money. You know, it's this is this thing that money allows us to do the things we want to do in life. 
but at the same time, like time is like the most valuable resource, more valuable than money because you don't get that back. So some people will say like, okay, but you could have like saved the 50 to 60% of your income for the next five, 10 years. And maybe so financial independence, like thinking about what that means and this number, maybe you could have reached it, but then you would give up that kind of short term satisfaction. And for some people, that choice would work for them. They say, you know what? I'm just going to keep working five, 10 years. I save up as much as I can and then be done like for good. Mm -hmm. But for some people like yourself and even for me, because I chose to also walk away from a pretty stable job is that I I wanted like the freedom today. Like I wanted to find the, the freedom today. And yes, you're giving up obviously some short-term earning potential, I say, because like that's guaranteed income. But by becoming, you know, entrepreneur, freelancer, by following your passion, like that, that actually could also supercharge and fast track some of your goals, right? Depending on what happens. And so it's a risk, but, you know, again, it's going to be different for everyone, but I like that you went through that because it's a real choice that a lot of people make where it's just like, do I keep working, keep making this money and save for the next five, 10 years, give up what I want to do today, or do I just do it now and give up the money? All right. So you decided to travel for a year. Yes. And how was that? Peter and I still say that we're still processing it. Like when we think back on it, it's like if you've ever, and I know I make a lot of sort of slightly inappropriate references, but it's like if you've ever gotten like blackout or brownout drunk, and you think back on the night and you kind of just see things in like pieces, like it's as if someone was putting their hand in front of your face and they just like, you see a snippet and then a snippet and then a snippet. That's sort of how that year abroad felt because so much happened in so much time. And we we really intentionally traveled slowly so that we were spending between two to three months in every country that we went to that we packed in so much. Now that we look back, we're like, we could only look at and remember things in teeny tiny increments. And then when people ask us like, so how was it? Like, I haven't seen you in here. How was it? We're like, I don't know. How was it? Like, we look at each other we're like, what? What do we do? I don't know. But then randomly we'll be in a grocery store and I'll be like, oh my God, do you remember that one time we were invited to the drum circle in Vietnam? And then we, we like, you know, drank rice wine and, and they put me on set, you know, like we'll see things in like really tiny increments. But that we feel like we're going to be doing probably for many, many years from now, just like reaping the fun little tiny, teeny tiny benefits and memories from it. Right, right. And now you're back. Yes. So you're back in San Francisco, back into kind of like, all right, the quote unquote real world from like just from that traveling year. So what's the plan now? I mean, you're a full time entrepreneur, freelancer, like what's this life look like? What's your financial goals going forward? Yes. So like I'd said before, when we like landed back in December, January, I was like, okay, time to like get back on the nine to five train. But over this year of traveling, I also, that's when I started to talk more about personal finance on my Instagram, on my YouTube. I made a few like YouTube videos abroad talking about personal finance. And I was like, oh my God, there's really an incredible community here and a need, as I'm sure you know, is like there is a real need, especially for women, especially women of color and people of color, for there to be voices and like translators of all this like personal finance, like really inaccessible stuff. I was like, maybe, maybe I can do something with this. Like, maybe I should run with it a little further and see what happens. And exactly like you were saying, Jamila, personal finance, financial freedom buys you time. And when I landed back in San Francisco, I was like, I have the privilege and the time to sit and think like, you know what, I can give this maybe a year, I can give this maybe two years. And that does shave off, like we're saying, like earning potential and guaranteed income if I'm not in a nine to five job. But also, like, I have the freedom to try this out if I believe in myself a little bit and if I believe in the community we've made and I believe in the conversations we're having. So the last six months has been me 
continuously kind of making bets on that and being like, let me hold out for a little longer. Let me hold out on the nine to five life for a little longer. The idea being that I continue these conversations online through my Instagram, through my YouTube, particularly with money memes. Man, my community loves a money meme and I don't think there's enough in the world. So like I speak meme fluently. Let's do that. Creating videos as well for my Instagram and my YouTube. And what I'm working on currently is I'm doing some speaking engagements. So kind of refining myself as a speaker and giving workshops, really working on giving workshops to audiences of women of, women of color, especially in the Bay Area. I'm doing a lot of local events specifically for like for families, uh, first gen um, children of immigrants and immigrant families. And I'm also going to be in the next few weeks. And now that I'm saying it out loud to you, I have to do it. Working on my first online course, I'm like, I need accountability, but working on my first online course and basically paid products. And I'm sure you've come up against this in your entrepreneurial journey, but there are people who are like, this is valuable information. Can I pay you as a coach? What's your cash app? And I'm like, oh my God, I need to figure out how to like responsibly monetize this, but also not be like too much of like an online guru butthole and be like, yes, that will be $8,000 for my mastermind course to master your debt. So really feeling it out. I feel like a toddler in terms of like entre my entrepreneurial journey, but I'm figuring it out. Right. Well, I mean, but kudos to you for taking the leap because it is scary. It's, you know, like you said, there is not that you work at a job and as long as you don't <laughs> do anything crazy, you typically you get that paycheck. But as an entrepreneur, none of that is promised to you. Okay, I hope you are enjoying today's episode, but let me just take a quick, quick moment to tell you about today's sponsor, Gusto. You witnessed my journey to uplevel my life, my finances, and now you're actually watching me uplevel my business. I went from being an employee to being self-employed, and the next step is becoming an employer. Hiring people to not only help me bring my vision to life, but give them opportunities and outlets to help them support themselves, their families, and their own dreams. And so I'm always looking for tools and ways in which I can effectively run my business. So if you have a business or you know someone who does, you probably know that small business owners wear lots of hats. And some of those hats are totally great, but some like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, are not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll taxes and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing benefits and simple management tools all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Hello. So for my journeyer business owners, now you can get three months free when you run your first payroll. Try a demo and see it for yourself at gusto.com slash journey. Once again, that's gusto.com slash journey for three months free. All right, let's get back into this episode. So I did want to talk about one of your videos that you did because I thought it was really um, cool. The was it Hey Felicia's wallet system. Oh my gosh. Yes. My <laughs> goodness. So I'm going to link those videos in the show notes, but I wanted you to go through it because I thought it had some really practical steps about getting your finances like in order and starting this like journey for a lot of people. So let's go through that a bit. Yes, of course. So the very first video I made, that was when I had just finished off my debt. And the reaction to that video is that's when it made me go like, hmm. I think there's something here, like in the personal finance world. So in that video, I walk through the sort of overall steps that I used. And my I called it the buy Felicia, Felicia's wallet system at first. 
ended up changing that because I was like, ah, I feel bad kind of capitalizing off of the like, by Felicia moment, Friday, the movie and everything. I was like, let me pull that back. But at the time, basically, I was telling people how I had figured out my debt budgeting system by journaling and using a Google Doc to write out in words like my feelings about my paycheck every two weeks. Because like I said before, I was not naturally a numbers person at all, didn't like spreadsheets, didn't like math. And so I started by just every payday, I would open up this Google Doc and I would write out just like, well, my paycheck is this much. Here's what I think I did in the last two weeks. It felt like this. And I think this is what I want to do with my paycheck in the next two weeks. This is what I need to buy. Is that going to work? Anyway, see you later. And every other Friday, I just made it a habit to journal. And the more I started to like write, free write in this private Google Doc, the more I started to see patterns in my spending and patterns in the way that bills move through my money and the way that my money moves and the way that I'm wasting money sometimes. And I was able to sort of pull back just because journaling that much made me see the sort of recurring patterns and the recurring things. What I didn't know is that I was sort of like backing into my own budgeting system just by talking and thinking about my money every two weeks. And the way that I walk people through Felicia's wallet is before you start doing any kind of budgeting or you're doing any kind of like intense surgery of your money, very, very first step is to write down everything that you have. Write down every penny that you have in every single bank account. Write down every penny of debt that you have. And this is a really painful part is really looking with your eyes at the numbers all on one page of what you have and what you owe. And that's also including like random cash and places under your mattress, whatever. I think one of the biggest sources of financial insecurity and anxiety is not actually knowing what your money looks like at any given time. And so your brain will just naturally make it worse. Like you think it's this crazy bottomless hole that's like festering with maggots. But when you actually look at the numbers, it'll be like two seconds of like, oh man, that might be like, oh, that's terrible. But then you're like, okay, like you see the outline of the monster. It isn't, it isn't this scary nebulous thing anymore. It's like, I know exactly how much I have and how far I need to go. So that's the very first step. The second step overall high level is to take a look at your monthly spending. And this could take a couple of months for you to like sort of monitor and feel out what you spend on and where all that lands. But to start taking a very conscious moment of like, what is it I spend on every month? How much is it? And after you've monitored that for a little and you can use apps to monitor it, you can use a journaling system like I did. You can use things like Mint or Clarity that will sort of track that stuff for you. Have a moment where you're like, am I happy with how I spend? Am I actually spending beyond my means compared to what I get in a paycheck? And you have that moment of sort of being able to, now can I fix my fixed expenses? Can I pay less in rent by making a big sacrifice? Can I kick out, like, do I need Netflix and Hulu and HBO? Do I need the like wine box delivery every month? And so uh, I sort of categorize that as like getting, sort of getting your ish together and like monitoring your ish and then figuring out what your rules are for spending and for paying your bills. A big part of Felicia's wallet was my like writing out rules to myself so that for every time I got a paycheck, I didn't even have to think about what to do. I knew that when I got a paycheck, I pay this much to this bill, this much to this bill, this much to this bill, this much to my fund money, boom. So that when I sat down with my money, it wasn't this like, oh God, like shame fest emotional thing. If you were to like write out rules to your future self, what to do with the next paycheck, what would those rules look like? And then get those rules on paper. And then the very last step that I make sure people do is to set a, I called it a bay day, B-A-E, meaning like bay as in like, that's my boo, but also B-A-E before anything else. Have a, a financial bay day so that on that day, before you do anything else, and especially if it's a payday before you spend that paycheck, sit down and go through those rules that you wrote out for yourself. Pay those bills, like allocate the money into the, the accounts that you've created. Take a moment to look at your credit score, take a moment to look at your debt and see how far you need to go. 
and just have that moment. Because when you have maybe 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock every Wednesday morning or every other Wednesday morning, you could channel all of your weeks like, what am I doing with my money into that time? So you just know like, well, on Wednesday, I'm going to take care of it. I know that's my moment to do it. And specifically for my personal finance clients, I tell them to make that moment as fun as possible. So it's got to be your favorite money. It's got to be your favorite music, bring your favorite snacks. I have I have clients who would like like do a full beat face of makeup and like wear their favorite dress to do it. And so it became the self-care moment. And to just sort of psychologically trick yourself into liking that moment by surrounding it with all of your favorite things. Yeah, those are the sort of high level tips that I try to give people. Thank you for doing that, because I think those are really things that people could do like right now if they're struggling with how to get on board. And I always say this, too, when I'm teaching and talking about getting your money together, like first you need to understand what your situation is. You need to assess what you currently have. And like you said, you'd be surprised when people just don't know. And then it creates like that mental fog and burden because they don't even think it's affecting them the way it is, but it is. You know, it's almost like, you know, you have a pile of crap that like, you know, I'm looking at and I need to clean up and (laughs) I'm thinking it's not affecting me, but it's like, I know, like it's kind of creating an angst. Whereas it's the same thing with your money. And also along the lines, it's like, not even like you have to have a full blown plan, but knowing where you want to be, kind of your goals and currently where you are is so important. And because then you can measure how far you are from your goals. And so I say that I heard this really good analogy, just like when you get into a car and you're driving and you're in traffic but you have no like GPS system. So you don't know if it's going to take you an hour, two hours, four hours. You're just in bumper to bumper traffic. You can get a little bit of anxiety because you're just like, I don't know when I'm going to reach my destination. And then if you have a GPS system, you know how it calculates like depending on traffic ahead of you and how long it takes, but at least you know, even if the GPS says four hours, at least you know it's four hours or one hour or whatever that is. And it, it helps alleviate some of that mental gymnastics and just all the thinking that you don't need to do worrying about the things you don't need to worry about. And so same thing with your finances is, you know, understanding your starting point, understanding where you want to go and realizing that it's a journey depending on, you know, your circumstances and it's not going to happen overnight. Like you said, some of this, when you're tracking your stuff can take months just to even get on board of what you're actually spending on, right? Like to see the yes. the commonalities and the trends. So absolutely. I mean, it's I, I love that analogy too of the like, I'm always that person that I if my room isn't clean, then my brain doesn't feel clean. And even if, you know, I like leave for the day and I like didn't make my bed and I didn't whatever, I'm like, oh, I'm in such a rush. This isn't important. But I am secretly thinking about how messy and gross my room is when I get home. And it, it is that mental fog that drags on us. And so, yeah, it's important to clear those, those things out mentally and also to talk about it out loud because that's the kind of thing where I didn't realize it was weighing on my brain until somebody was like, it's probably weighing on your brain. You got garbage in there. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So in terms of just like creating content, so I know one of the things that we've been talking about is making finance more engaging for our audiences and just in general. So people are like, wow, like they feel connected to it. Are there things that you want to do more of? I know you do a lot of videos and um, you have your Instagram account. But where do you feel like there is more space for improvement in the personal finance space to get more people involved? And and I'll step back and say, so there's like personal finance, which I think is like amazing, right? That's the space we're in. And then like, if you do like go down just a little bit further, you get into this like financial independent space. Same way you're like, you use 50 to 60% of your income to pay off debt. It's like after that debt, like they're using 50, 60%, which is what we were doing to like save and invest so that they can reach this financial independence number. So my goal is to not only make personal finance like more interesting and accessible to people where they're just like, hmm, 
I should be paying off my debt? Yes. But also financial independence, which is like a loftier goal because it's like talking about retiring or reaching your number earlier than the normal or standard age. But what can we be doing more of like to to bring more people into the fold and let, let them realize like this is possible? Yes. I think what people tend to see in my material that they like is just humor. It's humor and humanness. And obviously, not just like representation as like a brown woman. You can see that I am brown and my hair is crazy. And that's not the, you know, I, I, I'm like the literal actual physical opposite of Dame, Dave Ramsey. And I think that brings people into the fold. And they're like, ah, different person speaking on the same issues, but also using uh, relevant terms and sort of understanding like you and I, Jamila, are like translators to our people, to our communities and to our followers. Like when they hear things like fixed expenses or like investment terms or like in even things like interest, like very basic personal finance things. These are all created in this, like, like you said, lofty sort of like high pie in the sky vocabulary. And so using our own personalities and our own like natural senses of humor and our own like natural interest in other things to connect to money really brings people in. Like I said, I am obsessed with memes. I have always been obsessed with memes. Um, and part of my job at Instagram was to, basically my job at Instagram was to sort of translate the teen, American teen culture to the Instagram team. So I was constantly translating memes, basically having to like be like, here's what all the cool kids are doing um, at Instagram. And so I'm using that to talk about money. So I'm using humor to talk about money. I'm using pop cultural references to talk about money because I'm sure as you found, money touches everything. Everything is affected by money. And you can talk about money in the lens of literally any pop cultural moment, any just anything that happens, you can like bring it in as to like what that means in terms of money. And so that's that's something that I really use for that. And also in terms of financial independence, I'm like, that is a phrase that once like when I learned about the FIRE community, I was like, mind super blown. No one around me is talking about FIRE. No one around me is talking about FI even. And if that conversation isn't happening around you, you're not even considering anything besides the traditional retirement track, which I started to understand like as like an older teen. I was like, is the traditional retirement track BS? I feel like maybe it's BS. And then this is like the answer to that, right? So even just talking about it more at the ground level with your friends and family, object, this is this is a world that you can explore. This is a, a world that people our age and people that look like us and sound like us are exploring and can explore. And here's what it means that like blows minds on the regular. I think I posted about financial independence on my stories five or six months ago. And the amount of DMs that I got, especially from women who were like, wait, 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 what? What? <laughs> what? What is this? Where is this being talked about? Who? And I was like, girl, link, 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 Reddit, 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 blog, blog, blog. And people are like, I didn't even know. I didn't even know this world existed. So the more that we could even just signal it, flag it and say that it exists and then send just flyaway butterfly into the internet to learn more <laughs> about it, it really changes minds. It changes worlds, which I'm, I know you know. Yeah. And, and I think it's so, so important. Like I always say, like tell a friend to tell a friend, like listen to the podcast. And what I really try to do with this space is like, let's bring on different people. Like let's learn from different people. Let's take all like, you know, take what we can. You might not relate to every story, but there's surely something you can take from like someone's journey or inspiration or an action item that you can add to your toolkit to land. You could go, like you said, fly on your like butterfly way to like figure out more and how you can <laughs> apply it to your life. And, and it's so important because you don't know what you don't know. And like, I didn't know this was a thing either. I mean, I was just like, wait a second. Why didn't anyone tell me about this? Like in my twenties, because I thought when they said, oh, you know, 
contribute to your retirement account and, you know, you access it when you're 60. And I'm just like, when I was 22, I was like, hey, I'll figure that out later. Like, I'm just trying to enjoy my life. And if I would have known that even just like aggressively, like investing and saving in that way, like would put me on a path by 30 to have X amount and what I could do with that and possibly quit my job and do something else. And I'd have totally gotten bored. So hopefully you're listening to this. You already kind of get it because you're listening. But tell like your family and friends more about it because, you know, share it on your social media in terms of like, just get the word out, plant that seed because you just never know like this is what someone's really looking for. They don't even know what to put the name. They don't know what they're looking for. They're not happy with what they're doing. They think they got to be stuck forever. It's like, no, you can find freedom and you don't have to like reach the ultimate financial independence destination, right? Like I'm still working towards it. You're still working towards it. I feel like everyone should be working towards it. But by starting the journey, you can do things that allow you freedom today like you did, right? Like paying off your debt and traveling for a year or me quitting my job. Absolutely. And it's, I think in terms of financial freedom, there are levels to it, of course, like the ultimate level is like, I've quit, I, I'm no longer quote unquote working, I'm only doing what I want to do. My investments are funding the rest of my life. Like that is in a nutshell, if anyone's listening to this and being like, what the heck is financial independence? A big part of it for a lot of people is investing so much for so long that the return on your investments basically pays for your life. And all that money you get to shave off your investments, you live off of, and you can do whatever you want all the time. And that is like the ah, like the ultimate, the holy grail of financial independence. But I consider where we're at also a level of financial independence, having paid off debts, having been able to walk away, like the privilege of being able to walk away from an amazing nine to five job is a level of financial privilege and a financial independence. And for me, like this year of being like, I can take a couple of years to not get a regular salary and figure things out. That is a level of financial independence that I had dreamed about before and I didn't know was possible. I thought you just work for the rest of your life and that you happiness comes at what age 65 and a half, whenever the hell like your retirement fund is supposed to open up for you. Suddenly you're allowed to enjoy life at 65 and a half because you're just going to, you know, slave away for the rest of the time. There are levels to it and it isn't you don't have to be like, I'm going to shut my life down until I can actually live off my investment. It's like the freedom that becoming financially literate can give you, it pays off sooner than you think. Little by little, you get to not worry about things. You get to like lift burdens off of your shoulders that like Jamila was just saying, you didn't even realize was weighing on you until you get rid of that burden. And it's it's a journey. It's it's going to be steps and steps and steps until we get to that place where you and I are both just like sitting on our butts, whatever we want to do and letting the end, that investment interest just like waft over our heads. But right. yeah, it's a journey. And I say like you like that step like I'd say below, so not the ultimate, you never ever have to work again. I think most people can reach, like anyone I think can reach this is work flexibility, which is kind of like the stage that we're in. And I think some of this is also terms. Sometimes the terms aren't like fun or cool enough. And (laughs) because we have terms already labeled like retire, like when people sometimes hear that, they're like, wait, retire, because it's so tied to like this concept that they don't, they'll like actually reject the idea of fire because they're like, what do you mean retire early? Like I like to work. And it's like, no, 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 we're not saying don't work ever again. You just choose what you want to do for work. And I like the term work flexibility because even if you still need to work to bring an income, like your investments have not made it like yet, you can then though choose what you do for work. Even if it's like taking a lower paying job or choosing it based on your love for it or interest, it's like it's more options and flexibility and freedom for you. So I think everyone should at least be working towards work flexibility. Yes. Can I ask what your sort of fire goal is? You don't have to share the number, but like in your greatest fire world, what is what kind of flexibility you're looking at? Like, what are you spending your time doing? 
Yeah, I love that question. In my fire world, so my ultimate fire world, the mortgage is paid off and the interest from, you know, our investments and real estate is like covering everything to where even my husband wouldn't necessarily have to work if he didn't want to. Like it would be all covered. That's like the ultimate like dream. But of course, like I always, and actually we're speaking to someone earlier about this, where it's just like, but you should have levels to that. So there's like the ultimate dream, which like you're working towards. And then also think about like, cause it's all dependent on your expenses, right? There's some people who don't spend a lot of money. And like, if I were someone who, if even though I was just a single person without three kids and a husband living in New York, like I could live way simpler and probably need a lot less. And maybe I'll reach my FI goal way sooner, right? But what if you're a person, and I think this is what trips people up too, is it's like, I still want to go out to eat. And I still, I maybe I want a nice car. like, And I feel like there's room for that, but it's just understanding what that means. So maybe you have different levels, you have different, and I talk about this too in my content, where it's just like, there's different levels to it. So maybe there's like a bare bones fire, where it's just like, okay, you're taking care of like, just the baseline expenses. Like if you had to cut back everything, you would be okay. But then there's just that, that mid-level and fat fire is what they call it, where you know, you are spending like above, like you're not that tight with money. Cause when my husband and I, we talk about it cause he's not as necessary. He's not spendy, but he's not as frugal maybe as I am. Like he has, he has more of an expensive taste in like things. And he wants like one day to get a nice car again. And he's just like, I'm just like, yeah, I don't want, you know what, when I am, if we were retired or we're at 50 and our kids are now away and we can finally get our lives back. Like <laughs> I want to be able to like go to a restaurant and like, you know, now we look at the menu and we're like, all right, let's not get the avocado. Like, you know, yeah. I want to be able to just like <laughs> order what I want. Right. So therefore now my financial independence goals, when I think about just above that bare minimum, it's going to be more than that. But I think everyone should be working towards that bare minimum. So that way, if anything hits the fan, you lose your job or you do have a, a life change, you'll be okay. You're not worrying about, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay for my for this life that I have. Yes. And that's really important to highlight too when people are approaching fire is like, we're not, it's not a giant group of zombies who are like, we're going to spend as little as possible so that we can capitalize our investments. Like fat fire exists. You can live your life the way that you want and also reach financial independence. I think when I start to talk about personal finance with people, I think they expect me to be like, here are all the things that like shame them really hard. Here are all the things you have to stop spending on and like, you know, that whole conversation about dump the avocado toast and no more coffee every day. And I think true financial independence now and in the future is just being so aware of how you spend and how you can move your money so that the life that you want fits inside of what you make and fits inside of your financial situation in a responsible way. Like it doesn't need to be deprivation until you are 50 and then you reach like early retirement. It's just fixing it so that things fit in a way that is conscious and intentional. And there is room for the ballers in the fire community. There's room for everyone. And again, like you just said, you don't know what you don't know. Like you don't know that fat fire exists until you learn that fire exists first. And then you find the personality within that world. And it's just opening the door for as many people as possible, I think. Right, right. And, you know, interesting because as, you know, as children of immigrants, I've heard that and I and I see it. I mean, that sometimes the concept of fire, if you see like the main people talking about it, like they're very frugal, they don't spend any money as children of immigrants, like our parents fought so hard to come from like poverty and to like give us access to things. And so like you go back and you're like, oh, well, now like I'm trying to purposely 
again, I'm not saying anything against people who are frugal. I have a lot of frugal tendencies to get to, to do what I did. But then it's like, a, oh, wait, we just like, we, we just worked really hard to get you from this. And now you want to go back to kind of like living like bare bones. Like, I thought, what are we fighting for? Like, you know, the, the sign of success for our family sometimes is the material things or is just like, we work so hard so that like you could have running water. Like my mom, like grew up in Jamaica where like she didn't always have water in the house. Right. And so it's just like, I think it's a mind shift shift. And if you want to be super frugal and listen, at the end of the day, if you want the nice things, nice cars, totally fine. But just know you have to have the income to cover that. Right. Versus kind of just like you might want all those things. And it's like, but what you have to get the income and your money in order first before doing that. But it's possible. It's not one size fits all. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's ways to go about a fancier life or more bougie life in a responsible way, as opposed to forcing yourself to go into debt. And I think you bring up such a good point about the immigrant and child of immigrant experiences, like you're watching your parents come to America. And if they quote unquote, make it, the status of making it is flexing is is getting the nice purse and getting the nice car and buying the house you can't afford. And those things are are attainable, but it doesn't have to be in the ways that a lot of us learned, which was like, go into debt, rack up credit card bills, don't talk about it, bury that stuff. Part of, of course, being financially independent is like becoming financially honest and like transparent and having to like expose all the debt and get yourself out of the hole so that you can build up to the fancy things in a way that won't like suck at your psyche the way that I'm sure it did with our parents and like it would with us if we went down the same path. Right, right. All right. So again, I knew this was to be an amazing conversation. So <laughs> thank you so much. Please let everyone know where they can find more about you and follow your journey. Yes, of course. So I am at Hayburna all over the internet. I am the most obnoxious on Instagram. So if you're trying to get like full, full dose of me, follow me on Instagram at Hayburna. I'm also on YouTube, Hayburna, Facebook, Hayburna, and I'm on Twitter, Hayburna as well. And you can go to Hayburna.com to sign up for my biweekly newsletter where I'm a little more controlled, a little helpful, uh, give a lot of value there. Uh, but Instagram, I'm on there on the daily shouting and dancing. So come find me. Yeah, she has a great account. So definitely check it out. And thanks again, Berna. Thank you so much, Regina, for having me. This has been awesome. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Berna. If you are looking to just change your perception of money or bring people into the conversation where it's not boring, you know, it's not the same old, same old, then share this episode with whoever in your life needs to hear it, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 108 to get any of the episode show notes and to see where you can follow Berna. Also, I said in the beginning of this episode that I am holding a free class all about financial independence. You know, I just like love teaching about financial independence. Now, this is an online class, meaning you can join from wherever you are in the world and to get information about that. So that class is going to happen in August. If you want to be the first to know about it, there's two ways you can do that. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash join. There you'll go on my weekly newsletter once you put your information in and or sign up for the wait list for the launch club. So that's the membership community for journeyers just like yourself who are killing it. I can't wait to share more stories with you. And I have some surprises for you over the next couple of weeks where you get to really hear firsthand about other journeyers stories and more about the launch club. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash launch club to sign up for the wait list and 
you'll be the first to know about the class and you can register. It's going to be in August. Now, of course, continue to follow me on social media. And if you're not following me, what's up? What are you waiting for? I'm Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And as always, just continue sharing this with your family and friends. And don't forget, if you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts, so if you have an iPhone, you have Apple Podcasts. You should, unless you deleted the app. You're probably listening to this on Apple Podcasts. If you like this content, Please rate, review, and subscribe. I read every single review. And with that, I'll talk to you next week. So keep on journeying, journeyers. 